So right now there's very few benefit plan sponsors who are actually changing their carriers. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The vaccine has been approved, but it's not in Canada yet. And we're just having a hard time seeing how are people moving carriers right now? And so there's really just four reasons why I'm seeing people move. I wanted to share that with you and give you those angles so that you can be prepared this season. The first angle is really ease of use with the platforms. Um, I'm starting to see language from plan sponsors. Those are the employers who actually pay the cost for benefit plans around things like, you know, which platform is the easiest to use or which all-in-one HR benefits payroll system are you using that you like? So I'm seeing this kind of language and we didn't see this language five years ago or 10 years ago, certainly not 10 years ago. So this is new type of language and we are seeing that businesses are moving their carriers and moving their benefits when they feel like the platform is easier to use. Now that could look like many different things. There are a lot of different I think competitors who are wrangling for market share in this space, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain one platform. I think what's interesting are, is that people are looking for providers who are at least trying their best to make it as easy as possible, as seamless as possible, you know, doing imports of data or connecting. So it doesn't need to be like the Holy Grail, although the Holy Grails are out there and I think they're doing a good job. Um, but I think it's important to just be aware of that kind of wording. Um, the second thing I'm seeing is that people are changing their brokers and they're changing their brokers really when they feel like they might've started a discussion prior to the pandemic. Now people are changing agent of record because potentially their renewal has come up finally with their existing carrier. And we're seeing that insurance companies are not being very generous. They are increasing long-term disability premiums substantially. We're seeing anywhere from 10%, 30% or higher across the board, um, and the other thing we're noticing is the trend or the reserves, uh, what we call IBNR. There's an earlier podcast on this channel that you can listen to that explains exactly what IBNR reserving is. And really, we're hearing just crazy stories about how some of the large carriers are not having any mercy or any sympathy on businesses. Um, you know, their reasoning is we're going to get hit with way more claims next year. Once the economy opens back up, once we end lockdown, uh, we will start to see a spike in both long-term disability claims, dental claims, paramedical claims, all of those types of items that were depressed. But to be honest, like, you know, as a CEO that gets to look at all of the data on our block, I'm not seeing the justification for that. I mean, sure, yes, like dental is down. When you do lock down the economy, you see that plummet. Um, you see Cairo plummeting. But I don't think it's really justified by the 20 to 30% hikes that we're seeing in both trend, um, IBNR and in long-term disability. So the reserving is crazy. And I think it's very important if you're a plan sponsor or you're an advisor listening to this, that you're very aware and mindful that there are alternatives out there. Um, I think the third thing that we're seeing are really trying to take advantage of any tax uh, angle. So whether it's switching to ASO from a fully insured plan and looking at how you can recover your money that way, um, or if it's really looking into things like the EI premium reduction program where businesses are eligible to reduce their EI rates if they introduce a short-term disability plan, um, you know, that's really huge. You know, the EI premium reduction program as of the recording of this podcast can save an employer $3,600 per million of insured payroll per year. Yes, 
unless you have to share uh, about half of it or slightly less than half, it's actually five twelfths of that savings with employees. But as long as you redeploy that into a short-term disability plan that's privately run and funded, um, you're fine. And so you can actually make a profit off of it. If you've got a payroll of two to $3 million or more of insured earnings, that's typically the, you know, the balancing point or the tipping point whereby you can be in the block if you're using this strategy. Now that said, I've seen that these applications are taking a long time to get approved. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, feel free to shoot me an email um, or send me a note on LinkedIn because it's very, very simple to apply. It's just that I think the government has been so backed up over the last year from an admin perspective. Um, the other thing I'm noticing is that at least with Beneplan, we are able to recover a tiny portion of the RST tax that employees or employers are paying if they are on a refund basis. So that's a really, really interesting angle. It's Listen, you're not going to get rich off your RST refund for your benefits, but every dollar absolutely counts in this environment. There's also the Trillium Drug Program in Ontario, or if you're in other provinces, um, most of them now have provincial, what we call means-tested government programs to help folks with less than stellar benefit plans with the drugs. Means-tested just means like it's a sliding scale based on income of how much the government will pay um, and to what extent your own benefit plan covers. So I think, hey, if there's government dollars available to help offset and subsidize the cost of your benefit plan, you need to absolutely take advantage, take full advantage of that. So all of that combined, you know, it's very important to be really careful when you're moving carriers. Um, I think if you have made the choice to move carriers, whether you're an advisor or a plan sponsor, you know, there's a couple really, really key things that you need to remember. If you're moving off a calendar year, so any date other than January 1, it's most likely, I would say 99% of the time that your benefits dollar year is also on a calendar year basis. So if you're transitioning your benefit plan March 1 or July 1, well, you know, your employees were given an allowance of $1,000 to use for that calendar year. So if you move July 1 to a new carrier, is that balance going to be doubled up? Could people potentially double dip and, you know, that's a fatal flaw that we see. If you don't migrate your claims history over to the new carrier so that people don't have the opportunity to double dip, what ends up happening is you might have this like artificial um, you know, period of time where your claims have not fully adjusted that could really hurt your first renewal. So if people already hit their dental maximums, for example, in June of 2021, and then you move to a new carrier, and then now they've got this new dental max and they're spending it again, that could artificially inflate your claims experience for that time. And it could really do some damage. So I think if you're a smaller business, it might be tough to do that transfer because insurance companies are charging $250 per report or more to transfer that claims history. So if you're a small business, you might be thinking, I'm not paying a thousand dollars. You crazy. Like I pay a thousand dollars a month for this. I'm not paying another month for that. But if you're a medium or larger business and you're spending $250,000 or a million dollars a year on benefits or more, you know, th that's where it does make a difference. What you could do is you could ask the new carrier if they have any credits towards these reports. So if they can help you absorb the cost of moving that claims history, that's a really good thing. That'll set you up for success at your 2022, 2023 renewal and build some stability that we need right now. The other really important thing when you're moving carriers is to think about grandfathering anybody who had been pre-approved for um, a drug 
that requires pre-approval with the new carrier. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's talk about Botox for migraines. Botox for migraines is something where you will most likely need your insurance company to uh, review the medical in advance. It might be a one-page form. It might be a 16-page form. Every insurance company has their own set of forms, their own set of guidelines. So if, if a plan member has already gone through that um, pre-approval process, they have been approved to get Botox for their migraines, which by the way, works pretty well. I'm not a doctor, but I've heard that it works well and it could help. Um, and then you move to a new carrier and that plan member now has to go through that process all over again. That's just kind of a second effect of moving your plan. So yes, you're saving money, but you know, if you've got key employees that are having to fill out another 16 page form, they're spending that time, they're stressed out. You're losing a few hours of productivity that day, that week. And then there's also the physician's time. They're going to have to redo everything. That physician's office might have a policy whereby they charge for those forms. So you do, you are incurring costs and waste down the road. So therefore it's worth it for you to ask your old carrier to pay, you know, the extra $250 just to get that report transferred over to the new carrier. Of course, it needs to bypass the plan sponsor, even the advisor, because there's private medical history in there and needs to be sent in a secure fashion. So there's password protection or there's a secure, what we call SFTP, secure FTP file protocol, uh, you know, place where you can drop that off. But that's really important. I think that's a little tiny thing you can do to help. The last thing I'm going to say, of course, there's tons and tons of things you need to think about. There's probably a hundred things to think about when you're transitioning to a new carrier. And maybe we can talk about that in a separate episode. Um, so other than ma matching the plan design, um, it's really important to actually go on a certificate basis and make sure that all of the, you know, the data has been audited. So when was the last time that these people, uh, you know, changed or updated their beneficiary or their address? Like, do we, are we still in touch with these employees who are on the benefit plan? So this is a really good opportunity to audit that information. Of course, the enrollment process does capture that, but it's just good for the plan sponsor and plan administrator to go through that again with their employees a second or third time. I find right now in the pandemic, because everybody is working remotely, if they can, um, there might be just a different level of, I guess, thought put into that. And so you just want to make sure that you have the correct address. Um, you know, I'm saying that because anecdotally, I'm noticing that people are being creative with their living situation. If they were living in a condo in downtown in the city, and now they're renting an Airbnb for three months in the country, you know, what is their permanent address? What is their, you know, let's, you know, email is very important for that reason. So it's really, really important to cleanse the data there. Um, that's it for now. We just wanted to give you kind of some tips and tricks for thinking about moving carriers. Uh, my name is Yafa Sakaja. I'm the CEO of Beneplan. If you want to reach out or if you have a topic you want to request, you can uh, message me on LinkedIn. You can email me yafa at beneplan.ca, or you can visit any of our website, beneplan.ca or our social media sites. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.